Time for another I'm Usually More Professional. I'm A.H. Kaylee. It has been so long. So much has happened mm. since we last spoke. Detective Pikachu came out. I saw it twice. I'm going to see it again tonight. Tonight being Monday, because we're recording two episodes this week, aren't we, Joe Hildebrand? How yes, are we you? certainly are. Right, A.H. Kaylee, how are you? Whatever. I'm well. How was your fifth element marathon? That's what I really wanted to know. Yeah, it was good. We managed, we we did twice. A little bit of the third had to tap out uh, and then later came back in for the final one. So right. if I, see you if you're not aware so of what So there is a limit about. to how many times you can watch the fifth element. <laughs> there is a, a limit. It's and one movie, right? Like there's not yeah. three different. Yeah, no, it's no. one movie. Vi- Hello, Sam, uh, Dusty Ari. Uh, Viceland played uh, the fifth element five times in a row on the 5th of May. Hashtag may the fifth element be with you. And my housemate and I decided to see how long we could last. I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say a lot of Doritos were eaten. Okay. I mean, that is peak hipster, isn't it? That That is. I just love the- That's hipster that getting. Five times in a row they repaid the same show. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Movie. It's a great way to save on copyright and that stay cool. That is way, way. Well, no, would you, I think you have to pay copyright five times. It would be, do you reckon you could watch an election no. launch five times in a row? I think ah. that would be the real challenge. I think that at least, you know, this is the one that has that- um, uh, it's got Bruce Willis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who's that? Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Gorgeous. She's like orange haired in that. Yeah. 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 Okay, and yeah, uh, all costume design by, done by uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier. It's an incredible movie. Anyway. It is really good. I'm just not sure if. As good as yeah. the Liberal Party election launch. Well, that's yes, right. Well, the so. thing is, watching the fifth element over and over again is meant to be enjoyable. Whereas I don't think anyone's ever said that about a campaign launch. No, I disagree. Huh? I actually sat down. They're I, supposed to be enjoyable, but maybe they aren't. Is that? No, I I actually thought the um, okay. So so the obviously the government had its election launch on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes, they downplayed expectations. They kind of were, I think, priming it as being mm. no frills. There was but only one person there, wasn't there? One person there, and that was well, no, no, that's that's no, really mean and unfair. That is mean. It was him Scott's and his family. family came. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, it was Mother's Day. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to say, I thought they, considering they had no former leaders there, right, um, the, you know, obviously Tony Abbott's fighting his own seat and doesn't really, oh, who knows what his relationship is like. Malcolm's overseas. They didn't even bring John Howard. Uh, I thought they managed expectations. I thought it was a much better launch yep. than I suspect it was going to be. And I know, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I How actually, many times? Uh, <laughs> once. And, uh, I, I sat there and watched the entire Liberal Party launch on Mother's Day and it's hard to believe that I'm not married. That's, so, <laughs> that's right. Watched it once but it felt like a marathon. Like hard to believe she left me. <laughs> Why uh, does the, the launch yep. happen the week of the election oh, okay, okay. rather so than the beginning of the Most people don't know this. This is a rort. Mm. The timing of the election no. launch. I know, I know. The second they've quote-unquote launched the campaign, from that point in, the party pays for the travel, not the government. Up until Sunday, every bit of travel that Scott Morrison and his ministers were doing were being funded by taxpayers. Right? The second the quote-unquote launch happens, mm. it, the, the party, the Liberal Party, starts paying for all of their travel. Mm. So the later you hold your launch, the more you can just suck that sweet, sweet tweet <laughs> yeah. of, of, uh, of taxpayer dollars. So 
And this only applies to the government, right? Not opposition or anything. Opposition as well. Right. So the government pays for the government will pay basically for two planes for Bill and ScoMo to fly around on. And then the media companies, out of the generosity of their own hearts, Mm, will pay for their own journos to follow them around. And um but, yeah, you're exactly right. So as soon as they f- formally launch their campaign, right, that's it. The party itself, the party machine has to pay for all the travel. Right. So as soon as the party itself launches the campaign, then that's it right. can no longer. So it's not a case of like, well, the uh, incumbent government has launched uh, you know, no. launched theirs, so therefore everyone. No. And, of right. course, Labor launched has its formal launch two weeks out. So yep. they've had been paying for their own travel twice as long. And that tells you also how much money both the parties are going in. So obviously – even the most committed blue blood businessman isn't going to be bankrolling a party that they know is all but certain to lose on Saturday. Mm. So the Libs don't have much money. Last time around, Malcolm had to bankroll the whole operation himself. $1.7 million. Wow. $1.7 million. Which what a man. Of people. Well, which is nothing compared to Palmer. I mean, that's not even <laughs> that's not even a night of television. But no, he put $1.7 million himself in and it obviously was going to come out. But that's all right. You know, he put his money where his mouth is. I, I actually it would don't have been more damning if he hadn't. I actually don't think that was a – I mean, in the world <laughs> – I know a thing or two about dodgy donations. Uh, in the world of dodgy donations, I actually think Malcolm putting his own money in isn't that because at least at least That's you know right. what he was buying. Yeah, look, I really don't have a problem with it. It is actually... I mean, I have a problem with someone <laughs> being that rich and also being the Prime Minister. But it would be... But- surely that would be the least conflict of interest that has ever been present in any yeah, absolutely. election party donation. A self-funded campaign. Yeah. Positively grassroots. Like there's no comfort. I'm backing myself to win. I'm paying for myself to win. That's, you know, I thought that was – but, yeah, I think it does tell you everything you need to know about how cash-strapped the libs are and and the market – where the market's putting tradition its Tradition is, and, again, this is one of these funny traditions, that the opposition will launch first, the government will launch later. So the opposition, and this is the how the traditions work, notifies the government of when they intend to do their launch so that the government can go after them and the government goes last. That's always, it's one of those kind of traditional yeah, kind of, yeah, it's a, one of those odd, bizarre kind of traditions. Now, there's been times before where they've gone uh, a day earlier. Yeah. Uh, there's been times obviously more common more weak. But at a state level in um, New South Wales, you actually found, I think, both of them at one point launched on the same day. Yes, yeah. And I remember so in, in state stuff, both of them would often launch sort of between seven and ten days out. So And still no one gave a shit. That's yeah. right. But surely, but surely launching second is an advantage because you've got the momentum and you're the last – your last thing in voters' minds. Space for a rebuttal. As That's well. right. And and which was well, I thought Yeah. Yeah. And tradition has been, and I mean Joe, you're the journalist here, but tradition has been, um, certainly in the paper business, that when you launch the day after, they give you a front page. Yeah. They give yep. you a kind of a, well, you know, as positive as they're going to, they kind of give you a, a free hit saying, all right, well, this is their case. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's a lot of um, election traditions that have been. <laughs> yeah, that's have gone out that we know this campaign. But, yes, that, that is true, that you give, you're you generally given a sort of a free and fair run. But um, uh, leaving all that aside, I actually thought, and this is a case in point, I thought uh, the launch was pretty good. I thought that there was he was stuffed because he couldn't have Abbott without having Turnbull and couldn't have Turnbull without having Abbott. Mm-hmm. So obviously he can't have either of them. And, of course, he can't ha- then have Howard without having the last two. By having Howard, and I guarantee Howard would have been there or could have been there and would have whatever, the, the whole thing about him, you know, washing his hair that night is just bullshit. But, of course, you can't washing have Howard. Washing his eyebrows. Washing his eyebrows. But you can't have um, – 
there's no way you could have Howard there, who would have actually been an asset apart from anything else, without highlighting the fact that you've got this giant chasm yeah. of Abbott and Turnbull who just hate each other. So he had to make it a one-man show and then own that and make it a sort of a, a play of austerity and to say, hey, I'm the, you know, this is all I need. I'm the guy. Labor has all that flashy stuff. Labor has all that hypocritical uh, tribalism. We all know they're slapping each other on the back, but we all know they all hate each other secretly and blah, 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 and try to make a virtue of the fact that basically the libs had been so divided themselves that they couldn't get anyone to show up. And at least at least the Labor Party is tribal enough to to come together and act nice at those big moments. Mm-hmm. The libs just couldn't even bring themselves to do that because it has been so... Yeah, but it, it's also the cultural difference. Someone once described right. yeah. to me and said... Uh, the Labor Party is like being a member of a cult. The Liberal Party is like joining the Australian Dental Association. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's I, full of tools and very painful. Oh, <laughs> on fire. But no, like, like the cultish element yeah. of the Labor Party, it's like it's, um, well, it's like a dysfunctional family. Like you all get together, you get drunk, you brawl at Christmas or whatever, but in the face of a common en- enemy you'll back each other. Yeah, up. it's that Arthur Kostler wrote this amazing book, Darkness at Noon, right? And, oh, God, I can't believe it. Oh, yes, he's, that's right. Yes, I did first year as well, people. <laughs> and I actually read it before then. But it's all. Wait, first year what? <laughs> first year politics. Arts. Right, okay. <laughs> it's always first, arts. first year bridge stacking. Yeah. yeah. If it was a real degree, none of us would be here. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, no, I actually didn't do arts, but um, oh. I, know, I think I finished with an arts of degree. You I, did. I did economics and law and then failed. I actually I, I failed out. I failed out of a lot of things in life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I dropped out of my arts promise. degree and somehow still got an arts degree. Well, let's just I didn't, this way. but it's a good joke. A whole series <laughs> of bad. <laughs> Me appearing on this podcast is the end of a series of bad life decisions. Or is it just the beginning of a series of bad life decisions? I think we have to, for my sake, convince it's the end. Anyway, yep. Arthur Costa wrote this book and it was really trying to explain why in Soviet kind of era um, um, Russia, um, quite a lot of the communist kind of the Bolshevik leaders when Stalin took over yep. actually went to the gallows and confessed all of these crimes they hadn't done yep. and this mm. and that. And the story and the theory behind it was that they were so believed in the cause. It wasn't just like part of it was they were threatened, part of it was their family, but part of it was they so believed in the cause that they effectively felt that to, to protect Bolshevism, they had to take the hits, they had to go down, they had to take the bullet. So they fell they, on their own That's swords. 1984, man. Willingly That's 1984. It's the whole thing. You love Big Brother and then Big Brother puts a bullet in the back of your head and you cry with happiness. But but the Labor Party launch has, you know, that, that tribalness of the Labor Party. Yeah, it's is also like a caucus sense. meeting. A caucus meeting <laughs> where they kind of like, like let's stop kidding. So Julia and Kevin, it's no secret. They pass, That's right. They will hate each other to the day they die, right? Yeah. Um, I think things are more complicated between uh, Hawk and Keating, but the, the mm-hmm. photos, the two of them together, that is the tribe coming back together and locking in and saying, okay, we're yeah. going to, you know, beat the, the – it's it's a very culturally different beast, Julius. and I don't think the Liberal Party has ever no, the, had that. And well, that's right because they, but philosophically, the the whole point of the Labor Party, and that gets more intense the further left you go, obviously. But that the individual is is less important than the ideal. The, the individual mm. is less important than the cause. Oh, it was that, founded on solidarity. And, and however, that's right. And however, um, bullshit that may be in practice, there is still this idea that there is this ideal of, you know, of socialism or the workers or whatever it may be, collectivism, and that we – and that the individual is secondary to that. And that is obviously the opposite of the Liberal Party, which believes in the individual above all and the rights of the individual 
trump the rights of the state or the collective mm. and the individual's freedom must not be impeded. And so you have in, in Malcolm Turnbull, who is probably the most perfect example, that the individual's right to be an absolute cunt cannot be impeded. <laughs> he has the right to do it. Um, he has reason enough to do it, even if he was, you know, a bit of a one to Tony Abbott himself, but whatever. And and so you can't – there's nothing the Liberal Party can say in the form of, well, it is your duty to to do this. And this is why the the coalition is so vulnerable to independents um, stealing their seats because an independent – is actually more in tune with pure liberal values than the party because the Liberal Party actually supports the individual even over the party. That's why they don't have a binding caucus. So so there's something – I think there's something almost impossible philosophically about the Liberal Party to even maybe stay together. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in opposition after the election. Oh, they'll stay together. Look, opposition is going to be easy for them. Right? Because you have the one unifying thing you have in opposition is your hatred of the government. Yep. Like, I remember before Labor kind of lost power in 2013, there was this whole view of, oh, Labor will fall apart, you know, the Rudd-Gillard fight, this, that, this, that, their dilemmas, their internals, their troubles, same as what they kept saying was going to happen to the Libs in 2007 when Kevin ran. What will happen, in my opinion, right, the day after the election, I think the polls are right. I think the betting markets are better than the polls. Uh, it is very, very clearly heading towards a Labor victory. And the day after, there will be a whole bunch of articles written about the death of the Liberal Party <laughs> mm-hmm. right? and what does this mean in the death of conservatism, and then everyone will run their own agenda. Those who think there should be a more progressive yep. Liberal Party will say, oh, we went too far to the right. That's exactly right. Those who want a more conservative Liberal Party will say the Liberal Party hasn't been you know, liberal enough. We have to go back to our values. And all this Bullshit will get written. And they wrote it about Labor in 2013. They wrote about the Libs in 2007. And then three weeks later, all the conservatives will see a Labor government get elected and a Labor budget or Labor economic measures come in and go, holy shit, we hate these motherfuckers. Mm. And that is what is going to bring them back together better right. than anything else. Look, I think that, that, that there is a very strong case for that and I think you almost mapped it out perfectly. But let's not forget, that after 2007, the Libs did tear themselves apart. Nelson got up there, then Turnbull tore down Nelson, and then Abbott ter- tore down Turnbull. I mean, they they did they ate themselves alive for a I good three years. About That's exactly right. Everyone does. And 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 Labor. Let's not forget that a large part of the reason why Labor was out of office for so long uh, with with Howard is that that they were tearing themselves apart. Beasley, Crane, Latham, Beasley yep, again. Yep. Okay. Rudd. Okay, that's going back to a different era. Now I don't know the answer to that because I'm. That, it's a very. I oh, know, but, but it's but it's only a dozen years ago. I mean, it is what happens. Okay. Between two thousand and seven to two thousand and ten, two thousand and seven to two thousand and ten, the Libs went from being smashed in 07. It wasn't mm. the world's biggest loss, but it was a decent loss. Kevin's victory, I think, it was thirteen seats yep. from memory. To two thousand and ten. Just you know, minority government. Yep. Labor from 2013 smashed to 2016. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, almost minority government and minority government now. Tell you the why I think the worrying thing could actually be for for shortening that in all of this. The model that seems to work really well at state levels is you just narrowly win, then yep. you have a wipe out the one after. Yep, mm-hmm. that's Bob Carr '95. Yep, that's Dan Andrews. That's Palaszczuk. Yep. That's you know. Um, uh, that's uh, you know. It's in in a weird kind of uh, way, um, the the libs in New South Wales have been able to do that in that they took their hit early. If you win too big too early, then you have you cannot control your own base. Then then mm. you suddenly have this huge base problem, and it's not 
people mistake what the problem is. The problem isn't, you know, uh, a bunch of let's let's say, okay, you need seventy five seats to form government, right? Let's say a a decent victory in Australian standards, anything over eighty, is comfortable government. Yep. Let's say you win eighty five to ninety governments. 90 seats. It's not the 5, 10 extra people in the caucus. They're normally normally pretty normal, pretty solid people. It becomes what your base expects of you. All of a sudden, you can't say, guys, we have to be disciplined on refugees. We have to be disciplined on social policy. We have to be disciplined on economics. All that discipline goes out the door when you have big majorities, and all of a sudden you end up with Campbell Newman-style problems. Well, I think, I, think that, I think you've hit the nail on the head. The thing is that... All the, that this used to be why every single post-war government, so basically every Australian government at a federal level, um, since the two parties that we know now have been around, has always got at least two terms. Part of it was, you know, the Australian people always giving, you know, giving them a second term. And let's not forget, even when they fucked themselves over and knifed their own leaders, both still scraped over the lines, yes. even even though it was te- effectively either by a, a bee's dick or in a minority government. Um, the the thing is, though, if you do look at the state level, things are changing very – and you mentioned Campbell Newman. This is the thing. The natural laws don't apply anymore. So it used to be, you know, after a period of opposition, and it will always be a long period of opposition because let's not forget every government served at least two terms, yep. probably three or, or four. Um, they've come in. It's been a fairly big swing. It's been a nice big landslide. And then, you know, you and then you you know you have your second election and you, you just scrape over the line. You lose a few of those – Big wins in the landslide, and then it's up. That, that's the moment whether you become a Hawke Keating or a Howard Costello, or you become a, a Whitlam or kind of a Fraser. And so, you know, whether you restore, you know, your confidence and you get your, you got your training wheels off and you're steady on your feet, you've got a bit of experience in government, mm. and that's where you find. And that's where the last two governments have screwed up because by the time you get used to government, by the time you know what you're doing, like first terms are always wobbly. And if and if you've got a second term where, frankly, you've got a new prime minister who's in their first term and still doesn't know what they're doing, you never get the chance to steady it. And that's why if you keep knifing leaders, you'll never, ever get that. Um, you'll never, ever get more than two. And soon, as we've seen with Campbell Newman, that law won't even apply. And I think because we've got in an age of instant gratification where everyone wants it all and they want it now, they will have high expectations, unmanaged expectations, which was one of Rudd's faults, uh, and, and then – after the government promising to do everything, getting elected on a massive wave, saying we're going to put a broom through the place, we're going to drain the swamp, we're going to fix everything, whatever, whatever. They don't do it. And if it's not done in four years, three years, people just say, what? Fuck you. We'll we'll go with the other guys. And AH, this is all your fault. It's all your fault. All my fault? It's all your fault. It's the millennials' (laughs) fault, right? You know that you're a millennial as well, Sam. I'm born in 1983. I don't think I'm a millennial. You're 35, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, millennials are 23 to 37. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, Millennial okay. is just Gen Y. Look, you know they what, renamed Joe? it. You know what, Joe? I'm sick and tired of you guys blaming millennials. <laughs> <laughs> when all we're trying to do is the right thing by our people. So selfish um, millennials wanted to um, save the world. And- but no, no, no. This is, this is the pace that stories have moved, though. What's mm. so amazing to me is that it's a week out from the election and almost like the narrative is now what's next. You know, you've got mm. articles in the Herald uh, mm. this morning, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age was running a big feature piece about, oh, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm of the view that Scott Morrison stays on as leader. I've got $5,000 on that, but um, which I don't actually even have. Um, so he better stay on as leader. Um, Who have you bet this Sports whip? bet. 
Oh, so if this is wrong, you have to give Sportsbet $5,000? Um, I think that there is going to be lots of conversations yes. and there may be an address change. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. I popped it in a column just to back you up. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I mean, <laughs> Crazy if that didn't keep him on. <laughs> we can't um, rig this market. Uh, what can we do? By wow, the way. so we have evidence of a uh, effectively mm. a gambling company impacting uh, oh, a media. We are actively manipulating the wow. well, well, no, no, no. I, I noticed it before. This is I, one to write home about, I, isn't I, it, guys? I, 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 so I have completely disrupted this market. So the odds of Scott staying on as leader after the election is now a dollar seventy. Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I've messed the market up. But anyway, well, that's hey, another thing I ruined. Oh. <laughs> but it's true. But I, I actually <laughs> think she ruins everything. <laughs> oh, Sammy. <laughs> no, you, 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 I think you've saved the Liberal Party because he's the only one, and I think this is why he's been he surprised people with how good he's been during the campaign because he sits right in the middle between the the hardcore Dutton conservatives yep. and the the dripping wet. Moderates, but what the I found fascinating moderates. was that they are already in the narrative of what's next. Like there will be an election night the yep. day after the election. There'll be a, you know recap thing on the Sunday and the Monday, and then bang, it will be a what does this mean? What's happening? A Labor government, the consequences. Like shit moves so fast now, mm. and it's almost like this exponential speed that this story moves at. Well, because if they if they know what they're doing, and I assume that they do, they would already be preparing for that. Right. Yes. They know they're going to lose. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, you have to have hope. Yeah, you have, of course. You, you have, have to, to believe. Yeah. Right? And you have to convince yourself of things sometimes. I think that they're, they're impossible. 2011, Christina Keneally, every single day convinced herself yeah. that she can still win. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, KK's being delusional. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, of course she is. Because otherwise, be. why are you running? Yeah. But also, you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Like, you couldn't. How could you? Like, there's shit you have to cop being nihilism. a politician. <laughs> Nothing like nihilism to get you out of bed in the morning. We've done a bit of coast. Let's talk a bit about Albert Camus. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite French philosopher. <laughs> um, so I'm more into the Dutch kind of Kierkegaard, yeah, right. that, but that's okay. You know, it was a bit too religious for me. Joe would probably like that. Kierkegaard, yeah, no, yeah, right. yeah, it's more, more yeah, a it's little too religious. Like, wasn't he Swedish? I thought it was Dutch. Oh, no, I think okay. he, I think he might be Swedish. He me, really? me, or, Roman or bust. Give well, me, give me some Seneca. He Actually, he might have been great. Yeah, I'm he with you on this. Good. We could yeah. talk about. Yeah, this. we could. Anyway, guys, like a bit of Catullus. Well, frankly, all these white people are the same to me. Speaking I of want some Eastern philosophy here, right? Of course, yeah. Mayor Baba, let's bring it in. Uh, Speaking of, did you just try and bring in Ali Baba as a philosopher? No, I said Mayor Baba. No, <laughs> Mayor well, Baba is the one that like Pete Townsend. Well, the Arabs, was the Arabs about. invented maths. Do you reckon that's why they're all so good at doing the numbers? Oh, oh no. drop the mic. Pick the mic back up. Sorry, yes. Because if not Scott Morrison, yep. Who? I think um, Freidenberg is obvious, mm. but Dutton's running. Yep. Right? The irony, of course, being, and this is what a lot of the insiders and the libs are saying, is that firstly it's a genuine 50-50 proposition whether Dutton holds his seat. Yep. And the irony being the worse the Liberal Party does, the better for Dutton's chances of being leader because the type of people who are going to lose their seats are going to be the moderates. Right. So in a weird way, if they did appallingly bad and he held his seat, he's in the prime position to become leader after the election because as with all political parties, the more conservative, more extreme, and I don't want to say the conservative libs are conservative libs. I use the extreme as a word that should be kept for, you know, phrase. That's right. By by definition, the moderates are more likely to have more marginal seats because 
That's and it happens in Labour Party too. Yeah. And so the bigger, uh, you know, the, the small their party becomes, the better for Dutton. The only, of course, being that Dutton, if it becomes too small a party, he's one of those that will lose his seat. Mm. And I think he's- So the more secure his leadership, the more unwinnable every election becomes yep. for the party. Yeah, I and, think that's true. And Abbott's obviously still got ambitions, but anyone who knows anything up well, there is saying that he's dead. Yeah. Uh, so as someone who's who's not in politics uh, and I see him popping up in the news and I just think, mate, get over it. Like what are... What are the chances that he actually could? What the fuck uh, is he thinking? Problem, Help me out. Okay, the problem with the, the problem with Moringa and the problem with running against an independent is that all the independent has to do is sit one degree to the left of a conservative, and they will pick up every single vote on the way through. Yes, and in an urban conservative seat, there is not going to be a big vote for One Nation or the United Australia Party, and so uh, everything's going to be coming from the Greens. So you're going to have wet libs. Uh, who go over to the independent and they're with you already and then the Greens will drop out first, they'll give everything to Labor, Labor drops out, everything comes to yes. you. And so right. Abbott will easily get a higher primary vote than Zali yep. but but that will be it. If Abbott doesn't get a primary vote of something close to 50% plus yes. one, he's fucked. He's really That's good. the problem. Right. And um, and the other thing is that those anyone to the le- – I mean that degree has to be so small. So Zali turns around and says, I completely oppose all of Labor's tax plans. Yep. And I will help form a conservative government. If yep. I have to choose between Labor and Libs to form government, I will vote with the Libs. Mm. Has yet, she said that? Which is a very yep. safe thing to she say if you, if you don't that. want to yep. work with the Libs, right? Because they're unlikely to form government. Well, they're unlikely. Well, yes, they probably are. Well, if people like Abbott are losing their seats, they're not forming government anyway. But it is a nice thing for an easy thing for us to say. But by saying that, it doesn't matter what she says. Yep. Even if she – was more what she says. The – Left vote in that area is so locked against, you know, being a vegan, yes, I've mentioned it again, <laughs> right, uh, non-drinking teetotaler. Yeah. I um, I went for this walk uh, the other day, the spit to manly walk, mm-hmm. right? Not really my territory normally, not. And so as a Labor Party kind of actor, it's not <laughs> that's an area. Everyone call the police. Right, that's how people kept saying, oh, my God, this is Middle East. Uh, this is not what yeah. I voted that's for. A, that's a, yeah. I counted 72 Zali signs. Like it's, mm. a, wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a 14K walk. Yeah. I mean, I did it in barely any time because I'm an athlete. But it's, Were you wearing active wear? The people want to know. Uh, I wasn't wearing underwear. How, that's what you mean. how squashed was the sausage? <laughs> the democracy sausage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me just say that the sausage still rose to the occasion. <laughs> Great. No, but anyway, Back I, to the core I, I counted 72 posters, right? Yeah. And I think there was 11 uh, Abbott signs. Mm. Right? Can I say a, a lib... Um, up there said to me, and to be, she's pretty plugged in the Liberal Party, but not, you know, she's not a strategist or anything, but she said to me just today that um, she thought that that might be starting to turn against. So yeah. I said, I said, Abbott's gone. She goes, oh, I'm not so sure. She goes, I think people might be getting a bit of Zali fatigue. They're just sick of it. She said, right. you cannot go for a fucking picnic there without just being bombarded by um, Zali and her supporters. And... And that people it might start to kind of turn people off. Now again, she's a lib, and I'm not quite sure if that's, you know, I mean, but yeah. she's, she's not pulling out secret polling, but she said that is a vibe. Well, that's uh, that, that's quite interesting. And then you've got Karen Phelps, of course. Well, this is the thing. This is why I was asking about Zara because I last week wrote saying that Karen Phelps needed to do exactly what Zali Stegall is doing, and that would save her. But she won't do it. She still won't come out and say. If it comes, if I have the casting vote, I will 
support the incumbent government and you could easily make an argument for that. So I'm, I would do it out of respect for the history of my seat's voting history. Um, I'd do it uh, in the interest of stability. The last thing we need is more stability. And of course, it doesn't matter anyway because there is no way. I, I still don't think, I think Labor will will romp it in. I think it'll win easily with a majority and probably quite a comfortable one. Um, so it's a it's a moral decision that she'll never have to make, mm. but she uh, but she won't. And I and so it's a if pigs fly. Yeah, well, she won't. Right. She's she's making the terrible um, political novice mistake of sticking to her principles. Amateur, mm. that but just, okay. should not but, be allowed. But then then all of a sudden you end up with this dilemma, and I know this is what would be happening in in circles of the Liberal Party. Right, this is what would be happening. On one hand, you've got those whose careers end on Saturday if they lose government. So their view is just go for it. Yeah. Nothing to lose. Either we win government or we're nothing. Yeah. And then there are those. And that's people like, would Dutton be one of those people no, if he loses no, his out? No, no. Well, he, uh, normally it would be Scott. Right. But normally it would be the Prime Minister, right? I think there may be a very rare case of him staying on, right? Uh, but normally, you know, there's a saying that the Prime Ministership is the last job you have in Australian <laughs> politics, right? Uh, Tony yeah. Abbott's trying to prove that wrong. <laughs> and, you know, um, but. What you normally would happen right now in a campaign is there is a dueling pressure between those who say save the furniture mm. and those who say just go for it, you know, and win or lose, roll the dice, go with the crazy stuff. Because you can have a respectable loss and maintain the strength of your political party and your parliamentary representation, or you can just go crazy. And the famous story is 1996, Paul Keating was losing yep. government, yep. Captain Wacky, and Paul just went for it, and he mm. got smashed as a result. But his view was, what do I give a shit? I'm resigning anyway um, afterwards. Uh, Howard in 2007 went for it. Mm-hmm. They actually ran a stretch. Like, like People kept saying, oh, you know, John, you're going to lose Benelong. Mm. He goes, well, I don't care. Mm. Either what's the point of me campaigning yep. Benelong? If I'm losing Benelong, I've lost government anyway. So he wouldn't campaign in his own seat, right? He could have saved Benelong by yep. campaigning in his own seat, but his view was, what do I care? If I'm losing that, I'll lose government anyway. I may as well go in the marginals yep. and try and win big. I may as well try and fluke it. And now I think there will be this pressure internally. And then there's a subsequent pressure inside the Labor Party right now, which is do you try and expand the map or do you just lock in a win? And, mm. and the Labor super conservative strategy, and they've decided this, is lock in a win. They're not mm. expanding the field. You saw Bill Shorten today was in Reed, yep. which is a the and you're in Reed, which is the marginal seat in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Right, it's around kind of Burwood Strathfield. It's also a seat you go to have the media with you. It's nice yep. suburban Sydney. Yeah. Then he went up to Robertson, which is um, uh, Central Coast, and then he'll probably head out to Lindsay right this afternoon. Mm. That's it. Mm. Right. Yeah. They're not. They're not suddenly going into crazy seats. They're not suddenly spending the last week going into crazy places where they wouldn't otherwise be winning, and they're not. He's not in Benelong and this and that and all these other places. They're not expanding the map, and the libs at the moment are pretty much doing the same thing too. But if you don't expand the map, don't you then run the risk of you basically have to do the same strategy next time around? I mean, there's no fat to cut. Isn't the, you can it, expand the map the next time around, sure, especially but, if you've had well, a I suppose the time. idea, if, you, if you're going around, I mean, seats like Reid should always have been Labor anyway. I know they're sort of changing a bit and Craig Laundy, a lot of people would say. Yeah, Craig like, yeah. Craig Black. Um, Sam Crosby's pretty much guaranteed to win that one, isn't oh, he? No. No? No, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Um, 
Uh, I think that uh, I think it's going to be pretty. It's a four percent seat still. I think he'll. I think he'll win because they're going to win government. But I don't think it's a seat that comes to you to win government. I think you've won government anyway, and you win that seat. Mm. It is pretty affluent these days. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort affluent. of it's sort of got some of the money of the the greenie inner west seats, but the ideology didn't quite come with it. Yeah, yeah, and redistributions have kind of changed it from what it was. Yeah. I, th- I think Sam will win, um, uh, but but look, I don't think it's the lock that. What about, was. speaking of crazy things, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, what about this thing that, you know, um, well, I think Bill was in Kooyong and Higgins, wasn't he, when he was yeah. in Melbourne last uh, the last couple of days? Um, what about the fact that these are shots in the locker to either A, possible rogue wins, B, at least you get your blue ribbon performers in safe Liberal seats and you just chain them to their seats so they can't – so Frydenberg can't spend his whole time on the national stage selling the budget or whatever because he's got to fight off these things. So it's a a good sort of um, diversionary tactic to keep keep them busy. But what happens when these seats maybe do become winnable for uh, Labor or the the Greens Greens, um, with a bit of, you know, it might be a bit of a coin toss in some cases. That is going to end up changing the fabric of the Labor Party, isn't it? I mean, there's already been a tension since the 70s between the sort of inner city greenie Labors and the outer city On Kuyong, the bit that's really interesting. So I saw this tweet earlier today from Julian Burnside, who's the Greens candidate in Kuyong, right? But but here's the thing. The Greens had released their own polling showing that it was 48-52 and winnable for them in The Guardian in Kuyong. And no, no, I actually thought it was a smart strategy, right? Normally I go, oh, this is just stupid stuff. Clearly their strategy is to try and get Labor people to vote Green primary in that seat so the Greens mm. can win. The big challenge for them and Labor <laughs> is who comes second and gets the preference. That's point. exactly right. So I actually thought just, normally, like, you know, I'm, you know, I thought normally it actually surprised me because I saw that and I said, why on earth would you release polling showing you're not going to win? I go, oh, really? Because there's nothing the Greens love more in life than to narrowly lose something. <laughs> <laughs> that way they can stay pure. <laughs> So the election is this weekend. Uh, the core flutes are already up. The campaign has finally launched. One thing that is being planned, the election night parties. Wild. Yeah. Said no one ever. No, one of the most wild parties I actually have ever been to was um, the election night party in 2013. Oh really? Yeah, for, for it who? was. Uh, it was when. Oh, sorry, not like an actual. I mean, as, as normal people. Oh, election normal night parties. Yeah, I don't like mean at your house. Lottie, no, it was at a friend of mine's house in Newtown. Yeah. He was a musician. So the rest of us were musicians. Exactly. The rest of us were, you know, musicians, artists. I was at community radio at the time. You know, at, at yeah. FBI ninety four point five. Um, and so there was this real. So, you know, so that's I'm, called unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this real um, uh, sense of. Well, I guess I mentioned nihilism before and it was that. Mm. It was like we knew Tony Abbott was going to win. Fuck this. Let's get pissed. There would have been I tears up- in the temper in that night, wouldn't there? 
there weren't tears. Everyone was just like, let's. It was like. Oh, you're you happy. Know, no, it was like dancing at Pompeii kind of thing. It was like, oh, we can't even be right. sad. Just okay. like, fuck this. Let's let's tear the joint down kind of thing. Wow, I ended that's up caring in a, a lot. I ended up in a spa with like seven people later <laughs> in the night. People were walking around with their own full jugs of cocktails. Um, a, a, the the Dining room table broke because so many people were dancing okay, on it. Okay. It was so, just, okay. it was no, wild. No, 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 no. Was that really because of the election, or was that just an excuse to have a party? It, no, it was an excuse to have a party, as they all are. However, there really was that sense of like, well, fuck it in the air. Like every, it was like, you know, uh, this so, sucks. I'm going to go out and get absolutely wrecked. So this is the hypocrisy of millennials because you know they, when something they don't believe in happens, they think, well, fuck it. You know, let's just trash the joint and have a good time. And yet, when the coalition does the exact same thing with the whole planet, you guys say they're avoiding climate change. <laughs> Oh, Joe. Let me tell you, we were not avoiding climate change yeah, that I, I, night. I love how Joe's just ruining his own mentions. Yeah. Look, like, sometimes all you can do is fucking turn up the stereo and dance until you okay. can't feel it anymore. 2016, uh, last federal election, uh, it was Mark Stefano who was at BuzzFeed at the time, wrote a yeah. book, and in it he talked about the Liberal Party. He started off talking about Liberal Party's election night party and made some reference to the amount of cocaine that was being taken in the bathrooms. And people took huge offence, huge offence for three reasons. There because the, snitches get stitches. Well, the, there were those who thought it was inappropriate for him to write it, mm-hmm. those who felt he was lying, and those who felt that, hang on, there was cocaine in the bathrooms and no one shared. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know. Let's interrogate the people who thought it was inappropriate of him to write it. Yeah. So, by, it, by the way, so at what point at an election night party do you go, you know what, this party, actually, probably most of them, I'm going to say, would you, go, would you anyone go, what this party needs is drugs to make it more fun? Yeah. I think there'll probably, be a lot of people yes, actually, who feel I like said that. And I, <laughs> as I said it, I thought, no, no, yeah. all of them. That's just but, uh, okay, parties. The, the let's, sh- let's interrogate the idea that it was inappropriate of him to report on it. Uh, I assume the people saying that. Um, so, so acknowledging, like, well, yes, it happened, but he shouldn't have said so. Okay, this journalist. Well, shouldn't well, have well this reported. is this is the point, and I actually think there is a legitimacy here. If there are junior staffers and volunteer campaign workers who are letting loose yep. in their own kind of, you know, I mean, it's not a private steam, place, yeah. but letting off steam in a non-hurting other people capacity. Um, uh, is that different than a public official doing it on the public time in mm. public hours? So it's not in the public interest. Well, I just don't and think I'll be that. honest. I I look, agree. Yeah, I don't think that. I, I don't. I've think got to say, look, if the if the prime minister is racking up on the desk at Parliament House, okay, that's a problem. Three more years. But three more years. That's right. But well, I, I'm, twenty more I'm, minutes. <laughs> I'm with you. I think it is unequivocal, and I'm I yearn for a time to be honest. I don't like the fact that it seems now that everything is on the public record, that there can be no private conversations, that even mm. conversations where you, which you have with uh, between politicians and journalists, where it is explicitly stated it's off the record, suddenly gets the whole rug pulled back, the whistle blown, yep. whatever you want to call it, and it's out there everywhere. And, and people are actually supporting this as an act of um, – courageous journalism. And there yeah. are a lot of fine journalists I know who might think that I'm talking about them and in some cases I probably am. But you Righteousness know, versus they, they do some magnificent work otherwise. But frankly, if someone talks to me and I've missed a lot of good yarns this way or not not written a lot of good yarns this way and so maybe my editors will hate me, but if someone talks to me and say this is not for publication or this is off the record or whatever, they can 
know a thousand percent that they will never, ever, ever be outed. And now you can't have that. And I think that has created, yes, there has in the past been too much coziness between the press gallery and the pollies. Fair enough. But I think that has created a new level of enmity and, and distrust between politicians and the press. And I don't think that is a good thing either. I think there has to be what, you know, my friends and I used to call the grey area of porn mm-hmm. where there's a little bit of love, you know, uh, it's not it's, it's not too hardcore, you know. But the grey area of porn. The grey area of porn. Yeah, you're saying yeah. a lot of, you, you know. That's where you want to be. Yeah, the, the grey area of porn. I'm, I'm fascinated by this term, which it's I will mature now it's a little bit. It's a little bit, it's a little bit inappropriate, but not too inappropriate, you know. And so, yeah, yes, you want to be able to know. That <laughs> <laughs> Only just put that together. But yeah. you want to be able to know you. if, if you're both into that sort of thing and notwithstanding the fact it's all illegal and don't do drugs, kids. But you want to be able to know if you're racking up with someone in the bathroom that they're not going to run off to fucking BuzzFeed and say, hey, guess who I was just doing lines with at the, the yep. Liberal Party for election vote? Like, mm. well, all right, mate. Well, no no one's going to invite you back for the parties then, are they? Yeah. What about election night parties that you've been to? Well. There we go. They never end well. They never end well. I, I, always, get, I always get depressed on election nights. Yeah. Um, Do you know what's good for depression? <laughs> fucking guzzling tequila and ending up in a spa. Oh, right. yeah. Like you see where I'm coming from now yeah, with that party? That's no. right. You know what's good for depression? Anything legal. Um, but, yeah, I was at um, – uh, oh, you know what? I'll break my own rule. I'll blow the whistle on this. So I was at Kevin Rudd's uh, election victory party at Suncorp Stadium yeah. in Brisbane and I think I was the only journalist to go with the inner state, back with him to the inner sanctum. And I'll tell you what happened there. Here is – this is a true substance abuse story – I only had light beer. And no. I just and I just thought I to myself, you, that's a very Kevin Rudd thing to exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and that and I I think I went back and just trashed the hotel room after. I thought, oh my Christ, what release. have I done? When you had what an, have we unleashed I, on the I, I country? Thought he, I thought you didn't do what he advised, which was have an ice vovo and a lie down. I think it was, it was his <laughs> suggestion. Um 2016, last election, I was doing Channel 7 commentary and I went out afterwards and got smashed with Jeff Kennett. Good on you. See? Hell yeah. Yeah, well, he'd missed his flight. He was staying the night and he was around there and we just we just knocked it back. See, and that's good. And, you know, and Jeff's not going to go and say, oh, guess what I saw Sam Dastiari doing. Or vice. You know, they, these were happier, healthier times. Mm. Yeah, my drinking period was that's my happier, basically healthier what, time. What I'm trying to say is I'm an alcoholic drug pig and I need <laughs> urgent rehab. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I went to Albo's the last election. Um, so I'm not... I'm not part of the sort of Labor Party machine or anything, but I'm friends with Anthony. Yep. Um, back when I was at FBI in, in 2013, uh, I created the politics program there, Backchat. Were you the one that taught him how to DJ? No, I think he was doing that slightly before. However, before when, he, then, right? when he did DJ at FBI's um, festival, I was his, like, chaperone, which yeah. basically meant I just got free drinks and we listen to Radio Birdman. But anyway, um, so I went to his, I'm not part of the Labor Party machine, but um, friends with Anthony. Uh, I had been um, at a Cronulla Sharks game earlier that night. I can't remember who they were playing. It was out at Shark Park. Got like a taxi back in, arrived there. And um, so I'm going to put a little bit of, I've sort of not really said who I vote for or anything like that, but I was there. Anthony mentioned in his speech, he said, I don't know if she's here tonight, but there was a Greens member. I'm not a member. Uh, He said, a Greens member who said, look, I I respect you. How do I help 
you win. Uh, and, and I said, tell her to get 15 people to vote Labor in the in the House of Representatives. Wow. And, and did Lee Rhiannon and, do that? <laughs> and he said, and she uh, she messaged me on Twitter to tell me that she did. And I uh, don't know if she's here tonight. And then some people started pointing at me. And I, balls of steel, had had quite a few drinks at the footy. I went, oh, I'm not a Greens member. I just vote for them. And the whole room, all these young Labor in, oh, you in group. No, no, I was so proud. I was like, come and get me, kiddies. It was, it was, yeah. And so I effectively brought you the mood down. sick fuck during, during Anthony Albanese's, like, I just won speech. I just can't uh, believe how, how could you take it lower than where Joe was a minute ago? Where he was like, I'm a substance abusing political junkie who needs help. And you just go, hold my beer. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not mid-strength. This is our second last episode. We've tried our, well... Unless they keep us on, let's start the the, the campaign for a post campaign yeah, yeah, yeah. continuous. I've, I've already had I've already had one person saying, "Are you guys going to keep going after the election?" And you know what that is? That's momentum. That's a mandate. Momentum, That's a mandate. right there. <laughs> that was me, wasn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was someone called Dam Sastiari. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Yes. Yes. So, uh, of course, as we know, we look at uh, some micro parties each time. And I mean, I, we've really gone through a lot of them, what with one per week for the last, what is it, mm. six weeks? We've gone through none of them. Well, There's so many surprise. of these nutbag parties. Have you got another one? Well, there was the joke, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for explaining that to our. <laughs> Good work, Sam. So this week we're going to look at one. They're called Australian Better Families. Sam, you brought this micro party to our attention. They're a dad's rights. Uh. They're a dad's rights group. So their idea of a better family is pretty much the family court needs to be abolished. There needs to be a, a men's minister. Right, that, right, yeah, that classic kind of, mm. oh, we've got a women's minister, why isn't there a men's minister? And then you go, oh, because every other minister's that minister. Yeah. Um, so it's, one of, it's, it's in the grand old tradition of a party being named for the very opposite of the thing it's trying to achieve. Which I think has been pretty much So like much the Australian every... Vaccination Party is anti-vaccination and yeah. the Australian Better Families Party is for basically worse families where... The Health Australia Party is going to kill everyone. Well, the, the kids sit around while the dad drinks beer and... Tells his mates what a bitch she was. Yeah, that's right. Well, the, both of them must frustrate me. I imagine, you know, as a single dad, um, I imagine, and I don't have any of these issues, I imagine there are a lot of, like, single dads out there who've got, like, legitimate proper mm. issues. Yeah, totally. Go, I don't doubt that, there's, that there are I have issues. To, I have to no, say. No, no, who go to themselves, are. why are these people our representatives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, go, go, seriously? Seriously? Like, like you know, oh, yeah, look, I, I feel that I'm, you know, I'm struggling yeah. to deal with this stuff and yet my representatives are the type of people who decide they're going to try and drive a car into Parliament House. You know, <laughs> people, people say, oh, I remember this couple of years ago, they go, oh, then the court won't give me access to my child, so I'm going to scale the Harbour Bridge That's right. and hang a banner. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll fix it then. So, oh, well, in that case. I know. Like, I know. I actually know heaps, in all seriousness, I know heaps of dads who have um, uh, had their wives or partners leave them or whatever and completely and utterly screw them over. And they, they're, they're fantastic dads, much better than um, their partners in many cases. And they've been utterly screwed over by their partners. And every single one of them would describe themselves as a left-wing feminist. <laughs> yeah. Like they just, 
Like they just get stomped on. And that's why. Like the big guy with the ute and the shotgun <laughs> is not the one who's being pushed around by his ex-missus. I think, uh, but they are, they get so angry. So I am, um, they, they've got these like, you know, the online things and they, they show up and yeah. they're active and they just, they hated, they went nuts. These groups went nuts when Julia became prime minister. Mm. Yeah. Because it's like a, I don't know. I don't know if misogyny is a strong enough word to describe yeah, where some exactly. of these groups sit. Exactly. Like, I think there's misogyny everywhere, but it's beyond that. It's mm. this pathological, visceral hatred, violent hatred for women. And most of them come and they say, and I've, I've met them when I was a member of parliament. They come to your office and they go to you that, you know, and they're referring to the mother of their own children as, you know, whore or bitch yeah. or these horrible kind of words. It's and, a, the dad's right stuff. It's sort of, it's the golden fleece that's hiding the misogynistic Jason. Well, yeah, and then at wow. the end of it. That's We've really got to talk analogy. about classical history. That, right. That's yeah. beautiful. And, yeah. and and then they come up with this whole kind of, and then they go, and then the court took the kids away from me. And the whole time you're thinking, thank God. <laughs> you really should not have access yeah. to children. And the thing is, like, yes, exactly. But I, I don't doubt that there are cases where, you know, because we know that family court does um, typically um, – I can't find the right word here, so I'm going to say preference. That's sort of preference yeah, not, the mother. Not anymore, but it used to. And, used and historically, to. historically, there are yeah. reasons for that. I don't doubt that there are cases where um, dads have sort of been fucked over by the system. But you're right, these sort of campaigners, they, they're in many ways they're using father's sorrow to Sometimes you do sometimes you do have women who have used uh, children weapon as weapons and, and taken the kids. And have just, sides, and just yeah. that's right. But it's, we all know that about the other way. That's yeah. why they've the family court has historically preferenced mums. But sometimes yeah you do have the opposite thing. But it is it is very they are not the kind oh, <laughs> I'll just say the again, yeah. they are not the kind of dads who form Men's rights groups. Exactly. Oh like God, they're, no. usually, they're usually the most mild mannered, wet blanket. Just they're 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 doormats. That's how it happens. Well, wow, you kind of convincing okay, me that these people need down. representation. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what representation they don't need? They don't need Australian better families. But yeah. I do love the fact that I the meetings that must be happening. Right? Can you just imagine the anchor at these meetings? Mm. And what would happen? Do women show up to these things? Like, do they just hold up? There would yeah, have the, to be. Yeah, the new girlfriends show up. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sharon. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, oh, she's, she's a piece of work. But there would have to be. And, and parties like this, they always, they well, they often, and movements like this, I'd say, do have those sort of tokens, you know, and we on the left feminist side of things refer to them as the handmaidens to the patriarchy, the ones yeah. who like, um, fucking, what's her name? We're talking the, about Trump's America. one. What? Lauren, whatever. Lauren Summers. Lauren is it? Southern. No. Southern. Yeah, whatever. Southern. The one who's like, yeah, I'm a woman and I agree. And then With, that sort of right, helps yeah. to legitimise the whole thing. So there would absolutely be women at those um, oh, yeah. events. Yeah. And the, you know what? They're, they're fun, you know? They put out. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Get 
cancelled for that one. We've still got uh, one more episode to go after this. We're doing two this week, so don't forget to keep subscribing. Um, just just stick around and listen to that bad boy and, and ignore everything that Joe just said. Guys, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hey! Joe, let's throw to you cautiously. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Well, um, on Sunday, being Mother's Day, uh, mm-hmm. I was at the family barbecue with my beloved wife, who I treasure and respect as a woman. Yeah, hello, Tara. And as a male feminist myself. And I was chatting to another um, brow-beaten man uh, at the lunch and, and we were talking about the inevitable Mother's Day photos that were going to come out. And we think, okay, ScoMo's Mother's Day photo is going to be amazing. It's mm. going to be amazing. And we thought, all right, it'll be ScoMo barbecue. Yep. Said, but it won't just be a straight-up barbecue. We thought it'll be something bit ethnic. You know, to show that he's fully multicultural and he's all yeah. in, he's a part of modern Australia. Like when he made uh, curry and samosas while keeping. You got it, sister. That's right. Up and I support your right to camps. equal pay. Yeah, thank um, you. And we thought it'd be that. And I said, you know, and I guarantee you, he'll be wearing an apron that says, kiss the cook. Little did I know that this would be almost exactly to the letter. Wow. Okay, Sco- okay. So show us the picture. What does it do? So I'll show you the picture. It went on to Instagram, again, to prove that um, ScoMo is totally with it. And it's a picture of ScoMo in the blue chambray shirt with the apron. Unfortunately, yes. it did not have, you know, kiss the cook or fake breasts or a, something totally hilarious. Can I get a closer look at that? Yes, you can. Give me your phone. It's like throw it out the window. That's a commercial kitchen. That would be right. the lodge. At the lodge, right, okay. Because he's also – I, oh, I, I used sorry, to, be curably. Be curably. I used to be a dish pig a few years ago and I have that exact same apron. That's a commercial apron as well. Yeah, it's, it's very impressive. And he's saying um, – But right, that makes sense, the lodge, right? Yeah, well, it'd be curably. Yeah, curably, curably. Um, it'd be curably. Because he was – Curably is the lodge, the, isn't it? No, no, no. Curably is the one in Sydney. The lodge is the yeah. one in Canberra. It was in, Mel- it was in Melbourne. I've been referring to curably as the lodge no, my whole God. life. Do we have uh, to do the whole Admiralty, Admiralty House versus Curability House thing no. as well? Probably. Sorry, guys. I, I, I should not be But you are. Right, they were in Melbourne. This is a safe space Hang on, and that's I've an older – um, show me that is that? Yeah, I thought I'd seen that picture before as well. But, oh you my know, my God, look cognitive functions all Look at that grid. No, no, this is not – okay, I'll I, I tell you right now, that is not uh, Curability. Well, it's whatever it is, it is Sunday – and it is Which liked by more. Christopher Pine and 2,274 others. So it's good to see Scott and Chris still. So there you go. Is that all that he's got? 2000? He's not a big social media guy. Well. Anyway, so uh, barbecue, well, it's an industrial kitchen, so mm-hmm. I'm going to call it a barbecue. Tick. Uh, picture of ScoMo cooking. Tick. Apron. Tick. And what have we got? It's a Sri Lankan chicken curry. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, for the quadrilla, which is actually something different. Okay. But um, so uh, so he's, he's got this. So he's, he's captured it. Cooking a Mother's Day Sri Lankan chicken curry for the family tonight after a great campaign launch. And I'm going to call it, that is actually a great post. It's as mm-hmm. hokey as all get out, but he's doing the cooking, so he's showing what a great 
Family Guy is. So progressive, so modern, cooking for the yeah. ladies. He's got, you know his, what I'm sleeves talking about. He's got his sleeves rolled up, good optics. He's got his sleeves rolled up. He's ticked off the Mother's Day thing, so he's a family man. That's the whole thing, you know. He met young Julie and they've been together since they were 12 years old or something, fell in love with her, childhood sweetheart, the whole beautiful um, beautiful love story. Sri Lankan chicken curry, mm-hmm. solidarity with our brothers and sisters across the sea, still grieving after all of us, you know. So he's reaching out to a nice uh, a community that needs so much yeah. support, even if it is just someone eating their chicken curry. It's about solidarity across the seas but sort of at a bit of an arc. Sort but of, again. Sort of missing the people on the island. That he's that he's holding there. Sure, whatever. But he's still showing multiculti scomo. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, yeah, I'm a good old fashioned mm. Anglo white bloke who loves a barbecue. But hey, yeah. I love a bit of exotic food. You know, I'll moving say, away no, from just the, right. the culty scomo that we but, saw on uh, on Easter oh, you're Sunday. So unkind. So 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 cynical. Mm, yep. the youth of today. That's it. And of course, he references after a great campaign launch. So he shows how quietly confident he is. But when all's said and done, he's just he's just a guy it's who just goes a bloke. And, just a guy who goes and launches a campaign yeah. and then goes back home to cook his wife and kids a bit of bit of Sri Lankan chicken curry just on the a, old barbie. Just a normal bloke who loves my wife. Vote one. Got everything. <laughs> Guys, mine, uh, I mean, I think if you spend any time on Twitter, you'll have seen this one. Actually, all across social media, it got really pilloried this week, but Ooh. a very fun game that came of it. So, you know, of course we know um, and our Scott Morrison's tweet about Australia is a promise to blah, 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 blah. Um, let me see if I can oh, yeah, find so, the yeah, what you, I never got my head around this. So this is... Um, I, it's, I, it's, I vow to keep the promise of Australia for all Australians. Yes, I believe is Australia that, is a promise to everyone who has the privilege to call themselves an Australian. What the Which what? makes a lot of sense. So a fun mean? game came okay. out of it where if you open up your... Can you just um, read that to me again? I'm sorry. I, I just, I just No, that's fine. It. I believe Australia right. is a promise, promise to, to everyone who has the privilege to call themselves an Australian. It's a promise. So Australia is basically an IOU. Australia is a payday lender. I guess. Oh no, no, sorry, my mistake. No, my mistake. It's a payday lendee. Yeah, I'm gonna take your word for it because I can't wrap my slightly mushy brain around it's pro- it. It's Australia is a noun. Something that's come out of it. Yes. A very fun game is if you type into you know open your messenger app, type in "I believe Australia is a promise," and then just hit the auto predict the predictive text function so i did that and mine is i believe australia is a promise to be the first to be safe in our life but i got a life that was not that good what a story pretty good yeah suck on that hemingway baby shoes whatever (laughs) Uh, okay well well, i have for sale promise never worn That's do nice. yours. Yeah, Get your phone nice. out. Do yours. Okay. So tell me tell me again. So we go to the sexy texties. Any any app you want that you can type in. Yep. Okay. Australia is a promise. Australia is a promise. And, and then now just hit yours select. Is, yeah, yours is an iPhone. So promise? you have you get three options. No. Just go with the middle one. You, oh. Okay, I've run out of options here. Australia is a promise that you will It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Just keep going. The, Time, we. I feel like we should. Have oh, done this. this is good! Oh my god, it works! You remember? Mm-hmm. Australia is a promise that you will was the time we were. Wow, I mean, that's 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 conservative philosophy in a. That's beautiful, isn't it? In just a beautiful iPhone 
tear droplet. Yeah. Do you know what? I feel that I, I should have brought this up before we turned the mics on. Sorry for the waste of time there. Sammy, okay. have you got one? I do. I have a – okay. So Fraser Annie, who nev- never never disappoints. Oh, this is your Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week. Right. Put out this one. If you want a Muslim for a neighbour and there's a picture of a kind of pleasant-looking Muslim family mm-hmm. – and, and then a picture of a young boy holding up an Australian flag within, with a, um, uh, a a kind of Caucasian family standing behind him. Just vote Labor. So if you want to if you want a Muslim for a neighbour, just vote Labor. Now, firstly, uh, the Fraser Anning fans out there are going to argue that this isn't racist because Islam a isn't a race. Term, not a race yep. So yes, so there are a bunch of Islamophobes as if somehow that's better. As if somehow being Islamophobic is okay, you know. Oh, it's fine to be Islamophobic. You just can't be, you know, racist. Um, But I have to respect the fact that they have gone full racist because you never go full racist. You normally hold back. You meant to imply it. There is no dog whistling here. They have just gone out. It's just a dog. It's, it's, just, just, it's just a whistle. They've gone out, you know. Uh, you know, they've gone out. This is kind of remnants. It goes back to a British campaign, almost kind of sixty years ago. Yeah, the uh, sixty-four Smithwick election. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, I th- I've I only will. ever come across it in text, but um, yeah. uh, I believe you are. But essentially, the whole same kind of message, which was about race mm. and about black and and and, and yeah. other kind of racial connotations. They used uh, for that one. It was uh, if you want n words as neighbours, yes, vote Labor. Yes. And so that if doesn't you, even rhyme. Sorry, oh, yeah, if, if you are for yeah, a neighbour, yeah, yeah, vote yeah, Labour. But, yeah. but but if you want to have yeah, a Muslim for a neighbour, vote Labour. What if you actually really did want to have a Muslim for a neighbour? Well, it could back, it could back for it could backfire. No. You could say, you know what? I'm sick of these fucking Irish Catholics next door. They're doing nothing but just jigging on the whiskey all day and night. They're river dancing mm. till <laughs> three in the morning. That's what we do. It's just lock ins every night. River dance. <laughs> That's what I imagine it's like. I said, I just want someone who just, you know, comes in, nice, quiet, good family values, mm. don't Praise. touch a drop. They pray five times a day. That's nice. But no, I think there is a – it is incredible where our political discourse now is, that you can go full racist and it gets – like a sitting Australian senator can go full racist mm. and like – you know, on one level, we all know he's a racist so or Islamophobe, so we're kind of relaxed about it, but that it just gets ignored. Yeah. Mm. But, it's not, but it's not going to – are you saying that's a bad thing? I'm saying Isn't that a good just, thing that we're like yeah. – it's what you no, do when you No, I think it means kids, it's flying under the radar. Ki- no, I think when your kids are misbehaving, that's what you do. You just, you just ignore them and it goes away. And Fraser Anning will go away. So your parenting tip on this is just ignore your children and they will go away. <laughs> yeah, if my, if my children were white supremacists, I'd just say, go and, you know, just go and... Do your thing. Go and, go and play with Adolf over there and just listen to him. Adolf and Heinrich. <laughs> <laughs> they always, it's hard though because every time I try to do that, they always say, nein! <laughs> <sighs> what? You do your German accent then. I no. think it's best that no one starts doing um, yeah. ethnic accents. Oh, so now I'm racist for picking. Uh, on, I mean, I feel I'm racist like, for picking. Joe, on Nazis, do you know what? Uh, no, 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 you're not. But I feel this like podcast, the moment someone. I feel like the Nazism isn't a race, Sam. Like it's I, an ideology. I feel like the moment anyone goes, "Oh, what?" So I'm racist. <laughs> Usually, it, it's it's like the the flip of the coin to "I'm not racist," but. But you weren't until you said that statement. And on that note, I think we can safely say that but back in the previous era, back when Joe Hildebrand still had paid employment, <laughs> <laughs> that long hour ago before this podcast started, that he once upon a time used to be more professional. Yeah.